Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch dice today welcome back my kindred to blood and syrup a vampire the masquerade live play podcast i am sylvania dracul your host through this world of darkness everett and val captured one of their assailants but only after val murdered the other two and called everett dad evangeline was drained of blood to the point of torpor and Doris was treated at the Santi General Hospital, then climbed on top of a taxi, having apparently expected a horse and carriage. Will the Coterie heed the voice on Everett's radio, and abandon New Haven and throw themselves at the mercy of Lilith and her children? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Everett. You stand with your hand on your radio, receiving no response from the psychopath who, according to any logic, now has Evangeline. And even worse, when you look up, you see that the sky is beginning to softly brighten in the distance. Your time is running out this night, and you need to return to the sheriff's office. What do you do? You know... 
that was going to be my instinct to begin with was to get back to the sheriff's office just because like I need, we need backup. We need, we need other people helping us search for, uh, uh, officer Clark. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, Everett will, uh, will look to Val, uh, and, and say, uh, uh, throw him in the van. We got to get back to the station. Yep. She will do that. And then it's either figure out if the van that we wedged in the alley will, will work, or if we need to just move that van and get the van that has no windshield out. <laughs> One of these vans will have to work for us. I, okay. I think ours that like, like capped off the alley, I think is the easiest to get back into and try. Yeah. Uh, who's going to be driving? Val will drive yeah, and Everett, she's not going to get would, her way. And Everett, again, like, probably isn't too sure on where the station is. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's the first night and he was in a chase, yeah. so he's probably a little turned around. All right, Val, can you roll me, I will say, strength and drive? Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I'm saying strength because if it was jammed on the corner or there was some part of it that could mm-hmm. be bent back into shape, that's how I'm including that in this role and then drive for her ability to do that. All right, here we go. I say she just punches it until it does what she wants. It's worked for her so far. Mm-hmm. I, I received four successes. Nice. All right. You free it from the wall with a quick tug and then can drive away the van clean. Uh, you leave the mess that you had made behind you both as you pull away. Uh, There is a drive back to the sheriff's station. It's not tremendously long, but there are that awkward moment with the silent captive in the back of the van, the two of you on the road. Uh, And Everett, you can't help but remember that in a moment of conflict, Val called you dad. Yeah. (laughs) How do you want to address this? If we weren't, desperately looking for officer Clark, I would want to have like a conversation about like, what was that back there? But Everett is feeling like as soon as he brings it up, we're either a going to arrive at the station or the radio is going to crackle to life with some new information. And he just wants to be ready for that. And he can't like, he's just (laughs) the, the, the desire to address it is there because that was just absolutely buck wild for that to come out of uh one of his deputies mouths um but it just doesn't feel appropriate to bring it up at this time so he's just kind of sitting on it like he's very uncomfortable he's not looking at val he's just looking straight ahead and he's immensely uncomfortable with it uh but he knows he's gotta he's gotta sit on it for now val it's it's just Mm -hmm. silence from everett yeah Val, you're driving. Uh, You have a captive in the back and you've committed two absolutely vicious murders before being pinned down by a man who is not your dad, but who you called your dad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What -hmm. are you thinking and what are you feeling during this silent drive where he does not speak or look at you? I think the the main thing is she's definitely giving off vibes. She's completely staring forward. She has both hands on the wheel and she is giving off similar vibes of like, do not fucking talk. Like it's that, (laughs) like if you fucking talk... Like, just don't. Like, she's just hoping he will be cool and won't talk about it. And I think she even, like, she's, like, grinding her teeth and will will fish in her front pocket for another toothpick and, like, just chew on a toothpick. But she's feeling very, like, she's feeling very embarrassed, but not embarrassed in, like, 
that she was embarrassed she called him dad but she feels like she was very vulnerable to a complete stranger and that makes her very uncomfortable so she's just she's just praying he just keeps his fucking mouth shut and so that it's like the most tense <laughs> invisible wall yeah. drive in silence back yeah and it's like it's like when you accidentally call say, like your teacher like in elementary school you had that you like called your oh, yeah. mom i called <laughs> dad like two. i called miss wilkins mom and everybody yeah. laughed. madame ritz yeah. mom yeah, yeah. so just I don't was, address I was it gonna say uh ryan describing the, the scenario that you have one captive i was gonna say you have two captives uh because <laughs> <laughs> everett is just kind of locked into the passenger seat unable to look at you yeah uh, only able to look forward um <laughs> I think they're they're in a similar place of just yeah. we're gonna get through this and then something <laughs> else will happen and we can focus on that and that's all we want. Mm-hmm. Only even worse, Val, at your core, you are haunted by the image of bullets tearing through Cherry, who you had to leave behind mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the retirement home. But you arrive at the sheriff's office after a drive so tense and white knuckle that neither of you could even discuss the case at hand. You just desperately needed to not discuss the time someone was called dad. We hit like every red light on the way there. It was was the goddamn worst. When you roll back into the parking lot, you see uh, there's a squad car remaining uh, as as had been laid out at the beginning of the night. And the front door has been repaired. There is a replacement door. It's a little bit bigger. It looks like it's been cut down to size, but it's being hammered into place by... Is it? Troy. Yes, Troy. By Troy Strange, uh, who's hammering the last few uh, bolts into place to mount it. Uh, and as you climb out, I'm imagining you bring your prisoner in with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, you re-enter the station, uh, and inside you see there is still... The mess that had been made of desks and papers flown everywhere, but the bodies have been cleaned up, uh, seemingly scooped and mopped by Troy while waiting uh, for the door to be delivered. Uh, and there is an indigenous man, in a, a young indigenous man in a plaid shirt and jeans and cowboy boots who just says, Hey, you got that door. I told you, you need it. Come to Ampersand. Bed Tundy, Bed Tundy, Ampersand. The only general store that'll get you whatever you generally need. Uh, and he gives you all finger guns. Uh, and then he just leaves. That was it. He just wanted to get his jingle in. So he's gone. Uh, and you look forward and see Doris, who who has arrived just before you. Uh, Doris, wh- wh- where would you position yourself if you were waiting for the other officers to come back? I figured she'd wait in her attic. Um, but yeah, I think she's like, if Marjorie has left by this point. Yes. Okay. Marjorie, uh, Marjorie dropped you off at the hospital and went back to make notes of the scene. Oh, right. Yes, of course. And I took the, the horse. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, I think she would just be sitting at a desk, like at like a um, like a table, and she's just sipping her tea. Um, and she's just kind of she has the the blood, the vial of blood that she took, um, sitting on the table in front of her. Awesome. Uh, and I will also say uh, I've done some research into resonance because I was fascinated by it, which exists in the the masquerade game. Because you'd said uh, Doris was doing experiments with emotion and blood. Ooh, yeah. And there are rules for resonance that we had not used previously, but I will introduce them for your experiments. So what I will say is, if you drain or drink blood from someone who is terrified, you can add one additional die to any of your blood sorcery checks until you burn the blood from that person. Uh, or, or use at the point. So if you get one point of hunger of like of blood filled by a person who's terrified, you get plus one to your blood sorcery checks until you use up the blood that you drink. 
So it will make your magic stronger if you drink blood from scared people. I see. Okay. And you, and then you let me know when my hunger goes yes. down. Okay, I will cool. track that. All it's right, just cool. something that will will let that happen. However, you were sitting there cool. with your your blood tea and and whatever paperwork was left on your desk when these two stroll in with a captive and perhaps some news. Oh, hello, Val. Oh. Well, oh, <laughs> this is going to keep happening, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say that that Val will um, take the captive and shove him at Troy and say, "Put him in a cell." Oh, yeah, I mean, I totally would, but there's sort of already vampires in all the cells, so you, like, want somebody to eat him, or, like, which one do I put him in? There's, there's not, there's not, oh, fuck. We've got three cells, so there's, like, Fabian, LaCroix, the first one, because you kind of left her in there, and then there's uh, Kai and Bear, and then there's, uh, I I think his name's Alford, uh, Alford in the, in the third one. Is he human? Is this guy that you brought in Mm -hmm. human? Well, he's just, he's just a human, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, he could know where Officer Clark is. Well, She's... then don't. Well, then just seat him right here. Well, I can ask him some questions. There's you no know, need to throw him in a cell. I was hoping for just that, Officer Barbara. I saw the kind of work you did down at the retirement center, and I was wondering if you could uh, duplicate it here. He's been uncooperative so far, quite untalkative. Oh, well, that's a shame. Bell right. will seat him <laughs> next to Doris then. I'm going to check something because sunlight is beginning to to cross Mm. over the horizon. It does not affect any of you in here because there are no windows, but it is a challenge for a vampire to stay awake during the day because Mm. it is not comparable to human sleep where we just get tired and can sleep or can wake up. It is almost a supernatural coma that you fall into Mm. as the sun rises. So it has to be actively resisted. Um, So for you... Uh, it will be a humanity role. So whatever your humanity score is, um, I think most of you are humanity eight, eight, nine, eight. Great. So you'll be rolling eight dice. Um, the others have not told you that Evie is missing. Mm-hmm. So that will make this difficulty four. Okay. Because you don't have a radio, so you could not overhear the message. <laughs> Two, three. That is a four. That's four successes? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you will stay awake, but I need the same thing uh, from the other two of you. So I'm rolling six dice. What was it again? Uh, it's your humanity score is what you're rolling. And do we yeah. include hunger die in that? Or is that uh, not a factor? Mm, I'm going to say yes for the sake of my interest, but I traditionally... You know, probably not. It's just this humanity. It doesn't specify it. So just okay. no, no hunger, just... Should I roll less because I have one stain, and or should I roll the whole thing? Uh, no, roll your usual score. Okay. I also eked out four successes. Excellent. I got two successes. Val, unfortunately, you are so exhausted uh, by the hunt, the beast having arisen within you, and so ashamed, you realize that you have moments before uh, you fall into your supernatural slumber. Hmm. There are coffins in the basement that you can rest in, uh, but you will not be able to leave the station. That's fine. How many successes did you get? Two. Uh, You have time to fire off a quick text on your way down. Uh, That was her plan for sure. So she's going to go down to the basement where the, but before she's in the basement, going to fire off a quick text to her son and just say, 
bad night, working late, be safe, send. And I feel like she has a pretty nice phone because her son is a 90s child. So he hooks her up with that kind of stuff. (laughs) Then she's just going to, she didn't even say anything to anybody. She just walked downstairs and left. Uh, And you get a response that you can read just as your eyes close before you fall into the torpor of slumber that just says, hey, I got a job. So exciting. Uh, And you do not have time to respond. You simply fall into unconsciousness uh, before that, before you can. Meanwhile, upstairs, the two of you have remained uh, conscious with an effort of will. Both of you will be able to remain awake for this scene. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is all you'll be able to manage before you need to crash. Uh, But you do have a chance to interrogate uh, your captive. So take it away. Great. Um, I would like to just kind of sit and just kind of stare up at him and just say, uh, hello, sir. (laughs) He says nothing. Uh, This guy is bald. Uh, You would know looking at him that he has very similar build and features to the faceless victim that you had seen inside the circle behind the retirement home. He's also dressed in a retirement home orderly uniform. So from what you'd heard of two baldies, this feels like it's probably the the evil baldy, if you had to use such a term. Right. Uh, Everett, before this begins, I'm going to imagine you would have filled yeah, uh, I wanna Doris in. Let her know like time is of the essence and 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 uh to maybe even uh fuel her efforts with with urgency. Um let her know that you know this guy might be our only chance at figuring out where Clark is, Officer Clark. Yeah. So assume right. you have all the information of what happened during their adventure. Right. Right. Doris. You know, I've only come across two sets of evil twins in my life. But it's a pleasure to have right time. Um, what? You won't tell me your name. He's because just he's standing there stoic. You're going to talk. So you can either talk of your own accord or I can make you talk. He spits in your face. Um, and she'll, uh, she'll just kind of look at him like, that was rude. Uh, <laughs> and then just say, uh, I see. And then she'll just, uh, she'll, I'd like to cast compel. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Let's go for it. How does compel work? Compel works, um, by charisma plus dominate versus, in, uh, intelligence and resolve. Okie dokie. Let's uh, go, for, go for the roll then. Let's see what happens. All right. To uh, do, do, do charisma plus dominate. Four, five. And I have to use... Oh, no, I have no hunger right now. Great. Um, one, two, three, three. Uh, you are successful uh, as you stare into his eyes. I'm imagining he is standing, sitting. Ever, what would you do with the prisoner, and where would you be relative to this? So I can paint the. I'd scene sit him down, and I'd be standing. Uh, I'd be standing. Uh, uh, I'm assuming Officer uh, uh, or Doris is is sitting down, like kind of across from him, and I'd be I'd be mm-hmm. standing behind her. Perfect. Um, I, I'd so, have like handed her back the handkerchief that she gave me to like wipe the blood off myself for her to get the spit off of her. <gasps> the one that I said that I promised I wouldn't do any blood rituals on. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. 
Um, okay, so if it worked... Uh, yeah, how, how does Compel look when she uses Compel? Like, if we were to see the scene from the outside. Uh, I think how it works is she already has one eye, like, one blind eye from that, tar- that tarot accident many, many years ago. Um, but I think her other one goes white, but it's, like, a different kind of white. Uh, it's almost like it kind of, like, rolls back up in her head. Ooh. So you see, like, the behind of her eye. And then... Um, uh, and... Uh, the other person is kind of like forced to look into her eyes and they can't kind of look away. And, and the longer that they talk, I feel like the closer their faces get together. Like, okay. Not in a, not in like a creepy romantic way, but just in like a, like the other person desperately just wants to talk and like connect with her. Um, And by doing so, they're just like, they, they feel compelled to like get as close as possible to tell her uh, their secrets. Cool. Yeah. So he's leaning fully forwards, just staring into your mm. your eyes. Uh, then I think she'd say, uh, "Who do you work for, rude boy?" <laughs> and he looks around for a moment, away from you, and his brow furrows, and he's almost confused. You would guess if you were looking at him, uh, Doris. Sometimes you struggle with emotions, so I will have you roll. Uh, either intelligence or wits plus I would accept awareness or what skill do you think you'd be using to try to read emotion in other people if it was something else? Um, intel- uh, probably intelligence and mm. could be etiquette, could be streetwise. Could Is there be... any way I can help having being standing over her shoulder? Yeah, I think I think that's worth it. Uh, why don't we say uh, use Everett's investigation skills, because I think that would apply. So, Everett, what's your investigation total? Four. Four? All right. And we'll use uh, Doris's intelligence. Okay, so seven. Great. Yeah. Okay. One, two. It's a six and above or five and above? Uh, six and up. Okay, cool. Uh, one, two, three, four. Four out of seven. Great. Uh you realize looking at him because he's been so compelled and he's so tuned in when he looks back that he wasn't breaking away from the power. He's legitimately confused. Uh, I don't know. I was hired to take people from a map and then I was somewhere and my boss was somewhere and then we had to go get some more people and then something, and uh, then you cops were there. I don't like cops. Well, you should. We're we're very respectable people, as we all know. Now, you've obviously been enchanted of some sort, but where is Evangeline Clark? Who? Evangeline Clark. She looks like me, but not. But wearing my outfit. Was she in the other van? Indeed, she was, rude man. (laughs) We split up, so I don't know where that other van went. Well, then tell me where to find your friends. We drove... I came from somewhere. We... I only remember the driving, he says, clearly panicked. Ask him, uh... There were two others in the van with him. They were dressed in uh, tactical gear. Ask, ask him about them. 
who man are and you a woman. Who are you driving with? I was driving with... Uh, uh, and you can see him almost break through physically a mental barrier. You wouldn't be able to see it if you weren't so close, but his compulsion means you can spot all the little movements in his face. And he's like, I was traveling with Victor and Sammy. Victor and Sammy, we were in the Marines, and then we started going freelance, and we were doing jobs all over the place, and then we were in Vancouver. We were going to Vancouver for work, and then I I, I was driving in town. I was driving in town for, for the boss. And who's the boss? Rude human. I I heard them over the radio. It's it's a woman. But that's how can I now know more? How do I not know more? Why don't I know more? I believe someone's been in your mind before I have. I don't Strange. I don't want that. Well then perhaps you chose to work for the wrong people. I guess if you're telling me then yeah. Sarah is there any way to undo the work of someone else? I don't know. Is there a way to undo the work of someone else? Uh, let's roll intelligence and your blood sorcery skill. I think that'd be representative of your understanding of cool. the, the the magic. Uh, do you have what you've got? A specialties in occult. I'm trying to remember what it is. Yes, I have uh, specialties in ooh a lot actually. Um, <laughs> occult, occult, politics, persuasion, intimidation, and academics. Okay, uh, let's add an additional die. I feel like co- combining your specialties in occult and academics should pay off uh, okay. here. Cool. One, two, three, four. F- that's five out of six successes. Ooh. All right, you are very successful. No. Uh, unfortunately, when you're tampering with the mind, you can remove things, but it removes them wholeheartedly. There's no layer underneath. I'm afraid we won't be getting much out of this one. The damage has been permanent. That's why you have to know what you're doing. And I feel like the person who did this knows what they're doing. I'd like to meet them. Yeah, maybe. uh, Maybe we just need to ask different questions. Like. uh, Where does he where does he sleep at night? Ah. During the day, if he's out at night. Tactics. Where do you sleep, human? I got to the retirement home by by van, but it was the retirement home van, and I was driving. I don't know. I don't know at all. Do you know where to go? If we let you go. I would run. I would run so fast. But where would you run to? Probably Russia. I got friends there. This place is bad. This job is bad. I don't want this job. I don't want to talk with you anymore. I've I would like to go, I've always wanted please. to go to Russia. We can go together. I'll be your friend, he says. You realize he's under compulsion? This is not a lie. He's ready to team up with you as a way to get out of this place. Uh, she'll look at... Um, uh, without without breaking eye contact with him, she'll just say to Everett, she'll just say, um, 
I don't think we're going to get much more out of this broken man. We have to do everything we can to find Officer Clark. Someone has her. The sun is rising. We could perhaps hang him from the uh, the sheriff's office and his friends would see him and they'd lure him in. I've seen it done. They don't last very long, but uh, it's possible. What? Hang him? Yes, in a cage. <laughs> That's what they did in the 1700s, at least. All right, let's... Hang on. Uh, I want to... Um... <laughs> I want to pull out the map that I pulled out of that glove box. Yep. Just lay it on the table in front of him and say, uh, 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 get him to tell us everything he knows about this map. This was in the glove box in his van. He talked about kidnapping targets on a map. That must be this, but maybe he can point out to other locations that aren't marked, like where he came from or where he took them. Uh, and she'll take the map and she'll kind of hold that in front of her. Um, and yeah, she'll basically just ask him, like, uh, uh, do you recognize this? Right. Let's roll another compel. I feel like this is a new line of questioning and he's been very obviously threatened and compel does not compel anyone to do uh, totally things fair. that will damage them. Mm. Uh, yep. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three. Oh, yeah, that's all successes with two tens. Ooh. Oh, that is the most success possible. Uh, I won't even act this out. I'll just tell you at this point what <laughs> you would figure out over the rest of this investigation. Uh, he was part of the team who went to those houses. Uh, they had a team of, as far as he knows, his friends and a second team. He did not interact with them directly. They always rode in their own vehicle. Uh, in each case, they kidnapped whoever was in the house. Which houses, sorry? The, so the houses marked on this map are the four are the houses of the victims who came in and were right. uh, frenzied. So mm. it was Thomas Jerry, the Nosferatu, Brad Spitz, mm. the Gangrel, and a Bruja simply known as Jay, along with Fabienne Lacroix. So right. clearly they've been marked out. And what you can infer from that from simultaneously excellent roles and your general investigatory skills, these teams were there to pick up the vampires uh, and give them over to essentially the other team in the other van. So he participated mm. in those. They clearly had done research. They'd been in the community for a while. You can't figure out exactly how long because his mind has been thoroughly wiped. It would seem like every time they left the hideout, mind wiped. They would do the mission where they knew it was doing, mind wipe again afterwards. So you can right. only find out these details peripherally. Okay. Uh, for you, Doris, this would be very concerning because... To be able to remove a single memory of like a moment is challenging. To be able to remove swaths this big, it would either take days to weeks or it's somebody who is incredibly powerful and experienced. And that's where her mind would go, considering uh, the warding that she experienced um, in the X shed. Yeah. So that is the full amount you'll get by the time you are you are done interrogating. And you do see the sheriff's office opens and Barty tromps out in his terrible uh all right she found you found a guy and we got some people in the prison so what do I do with we don't have enough cells then he seems meaner than shit what do you want me to do with him well officer Barbara mentioned some kind of cage that you hang people up in outside the station what I'm just saying (laughs) we don't do that Think about, it if, <laughs> think about it if you're fishing 
Remember those those deep sea fish that have the things on their heads that lure in the other fishes and then they just swim right into their mouth. So if we look at the sheriff's office as a mouth and then you hang him, <laughs> you hang him on top, light the light on the fish's head. I don't want to say anything bad about Doris, but I'm going to tell you right now, Sheriff, she's kind of fucked up. Like I wouldn't, the sentencing comes down to you. All I'm saying is, if we put him in one of the cells, who are you going to put in the cells together? We got Kai and Bear, we got Alford from the Note Nostra, and we got Fabienne Lacroix. We need more cells. I can't do that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sheriff, you're in charge. I still want to question uh, some of the vampires that were frenzied. Uh, we got two of them in there? No, it's just Fabian. You, you ate the other one. Greetings, children of the night. It is I, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the Chronicle, and all around the spooky dude. I used to host the blood and syrup, but now I spend all of my time in the Dum Dums and Dragons Patreon. Yes, for just the cost of one dollar, one, ah, ah, ah. You can join the Patreon, get into the Discord, and talk to other fans about everything that's happening in your favorite shows. Alternatively, at higher levels, you can get ad-free feeds. You can add names and locations to the shows, or at the $25 level, you can even create your own NPC of darkness, or light, or whatever various lighting solution you want. You create your character, and they appear in one of our shows, causing all forms of shenanigans, and your name ends up in the credits. It's a pretty sweet deal. In any case, join our Patreon of darkness at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Sleep well, children of the night. Ah, ah, ah. Spooky. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you to Karth's Code and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. Karth's Code and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! Episodes are available now. Sorry, I heard there's two boys, Fabian, and who's the third one? Yeah, so there's, there, that's Alford. What's this fucker's name? <laughs> who's hey. Alford? Alford the Fang Rudy. He's from the uh, the Node Nostra. We caught him hiding in a shed under an inflatable boat. Right. <laughs> what do you normally do when you've got overflow like this? We can't let him go. One time, I just tied them up and kept them in my attic. <laughs> um, we can do that if you need. That's yeah. an option or... Traditionally, Camarilla Law just sends a lot of people to death, so I could, I don't know, we could put the vampires together and see if they kill each other. <laughs> I'm not trying to see anyone get murdered during the day. We've got an ongoing investigation. Okay, We're missing an the, officer. What if I put Fabian 
in with Kai and Bear. They'll know if they kill, you know, Fabian, they're, they're fucked. I don't think they'll do it. You think that's all right? Your call. Oh, they boy, are... you're really putting me this on me, huh? My Ashik is available. Yeah, you can Let's... tie him up in the top. Let's go with your attic then, uh, Doris. Mm. Thank you. You got like a trunk you can lock him up in or something, a big like steamer trunk or something. I have many trunks. All right, that was the scariest thing I've heard you say for some reason. Uh, all right, good, good. Let, let's cuff him and uh, uh, make it make it one of them that you can lock, but I don't know, make sure it gets air. Put him in the air. I was just going to say, I'll put him in the one with air holes. New Newest kind of top top spot for scariest thing you've said um <laughs> you just keep on topping it boy i uh i i don't think i can keep my eyes open much longer i gotta go yeah uh, so thanks thank you both there's space for you to go down to the basement to get yourself some sleep but on the what is what the what we got a lot of phone calls. He's just yelling after you. Clearly, like, what happened the night? What do I do? Uh, but you are so zonked that you know you can't make yeah. it. So you barely get downstairs uh, and fall into a coffin. Doris, you take uh, your new captive prisoner victim. We'll choose terms later. Uh, upstairs. Can you roll me an intelligence and a medicine? Because yes. I want to find out if your trunk has enough air holes. <laughs> Okay, um, that is four. That's two successes. He will survive the night. Okay. He will not be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But, uh, you, you jam him into a steam trunk with just enough air holes, uh, and you yourself uh, fall into sleep. However, a few hours beforehand... In a darkened basement, Evangeline, not hours, but like an hour beforehand, Evangeline, you awake uh, to blood dripping into your mouth uh, to the point where you can feel yourself coming back from nothing. This was equivalent to when you are under anesthetic. It's an Mm. all the way out time loss. You don't have any answers. However, the last thing you experienced was equivalent in a lot of ways to the time that you were sired. You were pinned down, you were trapped, you were dying, and the only thing you could see were vampire as a vampire uh, who would not let you go. So you wake up from a living nightmare to a new horrifying nightmare. You are seated in a chair. You can only tell because you can feel it. Your hands are chained behind your back. The chains burn. Uh, they mm. burn in a way that you have not experienced it since before you were a vampire. You've experienced pain in a vampiric way, which is distant from the body. It's more of a concept of pain and discomfort than it is uh, the sharp experience that we all have as mortals. Uh, You are feeling that uh, on your wrists, around your neck tying you in place, uh, and around your ankles. However, you are looking straight up, and you cannot move. You are pinned as though fully paralyzed Mm -hmm. with your mouth open, uh, and you are looking up into the face of a dying woman. Uh, She's being held over you, Her throat has been cut and blood from her neck is dripping into your mouth, bringing you back to consciousness before she is thrown aside. You hear footsteps stepping away from you and you feel 
an open wound on your left arm. It's still dripping. Can you roll me a wits and awareness? Yeah. So what's my hunger status now? Uh, four. Four? Okay. Four. The The wound on your, your wrist is closing up as you speak. Um. So that's just four hunger dice. Great. Jesus Christ. That is two successes. Two successes. Uh, you get the feeling they've been running blood through you as opposed to just feeding you. Because for them to be pouring blood into your mouth and bleeding you out at the wrist, it feels like you're not as full as you should be if they had drained someone into you. However, you hear a stirring and the muttering of an ancient language that you cannot make out. Uh, it does not rec- It does not match any language you've heard before. I think you're relatively worldly, at least in experience. You may have traveled a little bit from, from your personal history or at least read up about other places to be knowledgeable. Yeah. It's not recognizable as a human language. Uh, I think along the terms of hearing Aramaic uh, without subtitles. Ancient, powerful, very scary. Then you feel a shock as movement returns to your body uh, and something is withdrawn from your chest that you couldn't feel there for the first time. Uh, You immediately look down uh, and what you see is that a a wooden stake has been withdrawn from your heart, which has allowed you to move again. However, you cannot move your body. Wrapped around uh, your ankles, which is the only one you could see from where your neck is pinned in place, you can see that you've been bound in silver chains to an, a, a steel chair that's bolted to the floor. This is not a folding chair. This is not something that can be easily broken. This is a hefty, clearly meant to trap a vampire chair. Looking around the room, you see that you are in what you would have to estimate is a, a workshop of some kind. It is underground. There are no windows. The space is lit only by candles. And you can see work tables and other woodworking tools, as well as slabs of various kinds varieties of wood i don't know a lot about woodworking uh (laughs) along the walls and projects creating chairs and other pieces of furniture half completed however in front of you you see a golden cauldron that is boiling over a a small fire the smoke is being fed out of the room by industrial fans uh, at either side uh, and within it is boiling blood Uh, from the smell and very disturbing. You can infer based on your successes that some of that blood is probably yours. And standing behind this cauldron is a vampire. And I say that because you can tell they are a vampire by merely glancing at them. They have Mm -hmm. alabaster skin. It appears as though they were carved out of marble. They're in an elaborate black dress uh, wearing a mask that is tied around the temples. They have swooping black hair that extends to their waist. And their face is obscured behind lines of black obsidian beads, leaving the impression of eyes and of an intense expression, but even more so the menace of those beads. You feel, as the final words are muttered by this figure, um, you feel all of the blood still in your body pulled forwards and forced into your mind. Uh, and you can war against that. What? So I need a composure plus a cult roll uh, for you. Oh, great. <laughs> this is a critical success, both on hunger dice. 
Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, you're, oh man, that's crazy. Oh, I got to balance this. So <laughs> how many, how many successes did you roll? Two. Two. So you have four successes. Oh, wow. They have seven. So in probably the most disturbing twist for you, uh, your beast rises up inside your blood uh, and strikes back uh, as though fighting off the pressure. And you feel your beast can trump this magic, can trump anything. Uh, The rage is there. You're straining against your bonds, threatening to sever your own hands to try to escape, to attack the person coming at you until you feel their will enter the fray. Before you realize you were just fighting the magic and the insistence Mm. of this ritual that was underway. And now you feel the magic user before you step in spiritually and with their focus. And they clamp down so hard that your beast goes from screaming and raging in despair to gone. The darkness inside you dares not stand against the magic that is being presented. And the figure in front of you looks down and says... What do you all know about my plans? What do we know? Who the fuck are you? Is what you think. But due to the magic, your body can only answer the truth. Nothing. Excellent. Then we can build... A brighter future together tomorrow. And she steps forward and rams the wooden stake back into your heart, sending you back into the cold black hell of Torpor. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Lori Elizabeth at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan LaPlante at The Ryan LaPlante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and our show log was created by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel. And our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, the half-blind prophet. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby. One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield. Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters. Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Austin Nut Powers Fry, 
Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.